Hi, welcome to the shallow dive on the Dafyomi. I hope you enjoy. Start by the two dots towards the bottom of your testament base. And one can use a carbon toda, Thanksgiving offering, to fulfill the requirement for Shalmei Simcha. Is the peace offering brought to fulfill the requirement of rejoicing at the festival? So all three are various forms of carbon shlomim, peace offerings. The toda, simcha, and chagiga, the festive offering. But the toda can double, as it were, as a carbon shalme simcha, but it cannot discharge one's obligation to bring a carbon chagiga, the festive offering. Let's see Rashi. Even though he's obligated to bring this carbon toda, Pasuk says, and you shall rejoice on your festival. And all forms of rejoicing through meat can help one fulfill the obligation of simcha, of rejoicing. From the fact that the Torah did not explicitly say you need to bring a peace offering and eat there, and you shall rejoice. However, it is clear to us that all the while that the temple stood, there's only one means of fulfilling the obligation of rejoicing on the festival, and it requires through the medium of basar, of eating meat. As the verse says, and you shall slaughter peace offerings there and eat there and rejoice. So if you can bring a peace offering, that is the means of fulfilling the obligation of rejoicing on the festival. This verse is describing It's not describing the peace offering of Simchas Yom Tov. Simchas Yom Tov. If somebody has other types of shlamim, like the offering of the firstborn or the tithe of the animals, so one can use those that are already obligated. The person must bring the bachor, must bring the maizer behema. One can discharge the obligation of simcha through those other types of shlamim, just like a toda, the thanksgiving offering. However, the person cannot use the carbon toda, the Thanksgiving offering, to discharge their obligation for the carbon chagiga, which is the offering, it's a peace offering brought by the Alila Rega, the pilgrimage. One cannot fulfill the obligation 
of the pilgrimage offering through the thanksgiving offering because the thanksgiving offering is obligatory. The Dovah Shebechovah here, both are required, the Shalmei Toda and Shalmei Chagiga. So unlike, in contrast with the previous case, the Shalmei Semucha, which is non-specific, really one just has to have meat to rejoice at the festival, and when one can bring a peace offering, so that is required of how, what type of meat to have. There's no specific uh, obligation to have shalmei simcha. So one can use any other shlamim, any other peace offering that they can eat the meat from to fulfill the obligation of the shalmei simcha because it's not a specific obligation. It's generic just to have simcha. This is in contrast with the korban chagiga, the obligation to bring a, a sacrifice for Aliyah Regal for the pilgrimage is a specific obligation. In order to fulfill that obligation, it must come from Chulin, from non-sacrificial, a non-sacrificial animal. And a person who has designated this animal to be a carbon toda, the requirement to bring various circumstances, a carbon toda, a thanksgiving offering. So it's a type of shlomim, a peace offering, that he already is required to bring. He cannot use that to discharge his obligation, specific obligation, of carbon chagiga, the ein lo minachulin. Since this offering is a thanksgiving offering, so it's not considered chulin, it's not considered non-sacrificial or sanctified, it is already set aside for his thanksgiving offering, he cannot use it to discharge his obligation of the pilgrimage offering, which must come from chulin, because it's a specific obligation to bring this type of sacrifice. So that's the differentiation. The person who has an offering that he's already bringing for Thanksgiving, so he may double down and use that for the fulfillment of Simcha, rejoicing on a festival. But he cannot use that uh, that type of offering to discharge his other obligation of the carbon chagiga, of the, the offering that's required, a specific requirement to bring an offering that must come from chulin, from non-sacrificial meat, a non-sacrificial animal. So that carbon chagiga, the, the offering for Ali Larego, must come from chulin, and he will not be able to fulfill it from a carbon toda. Three lines from the bottom. Shita. This is obvious. Dovar shebechovah. Chol dovar shebechovah eno ba elamenachulin. This is a general rule that anything that is a requirement like bringing shalmei chagiga, the peace offering, 
of the festival that must come from Hulin. It can't already be something that you have to bring sacrificially, like a carbon toda. So this is obvious. Why do we need to be taught this in the Brisa? Look, Sricha, the Avagav, the Parish, it is necessary in a case where it was specified, just like in the question that Rishlokish asked Rabbi Yochanan. The person says they accept upon themselves the obligation to bring a carbon toda, Thanksgiving offering, the Eitzibadechagiga. And I also want to use it to fulfill my obligation for the Chagiga, for the pilgrimage offering. That's one case. Areni Nazir Vagaleach, a parallel case. If somebody says, I want to become a Nazir, so he takes a Nazarite vow, but at the same time, he's stipulating that he wants to be able to conclude the process to shave, which is part of the conclusion of the process, using the sacrificial meat coming from Ma'os Ma'asir from money that was set aside from the second tithe, which is sanctified. Normally, you can't do that, as we said, but in these two cases, where he stipulates from the onset that he is interested in generating these sanctifications, stipulating that they can also be used for fulfilling his obligations, does it work? Ma, what is the status? Let's see Rashi. Min hachulin, v'lo v'mos ma'asir sheni, v'lo minadar minadavos, shuhu m'chuyiv v'omed v'hen. So in order to fulfill one's obligation, the general rule is it has to come from Hulin. It cannot come from Meiser Shani, from money that is already sanctified. It must be consumed in Jerusalem within a certain time frame in a status of purity for food items and not from Unadovos, not from free will offerings that now that he is taken a vow, are obligatory. Afalgav, the parish, even though he has specified this condition, Kishanodar hatoda, at the time when he took the vow, Pirish amanas sheyotzebadi chagigoso. He said, I'm setting aside this animal to be a thanksgiving offering on condition that I can use it to fulfill my obligation to bring a korban chagigo, the festive peace offering. Taprashi Chofmeralev, Vagaleach Mamos Meister Shani, Carbonos Shigozaralaya Kosov, Biom Tiglachti, Economy Mamos Meister Shani, the obligation of sacrifices that are decreed by the Torah at the day that the Nazir shaves his hair, he wants to buy them from money that has the sanctity of Meister Shani, the second type. So what did Rabbi Yochanan answer Shlokish about these questions? Two versions essentially of the same question. So the sanctification works in both cases. He does become a Nazir. 
And he also, in the first case, his neder of the toda works, his vow to bring a thanksgiving offering also. They both work. However, his stipulation falls to the side. The stipulation is invalid. See Rashi. Noder al ha-toda chagiga. The carbon toda, the first case, the thanksgiving offering, is valid. It is now sanctified. However, he cannot still, although he made it a stipulation, he still may not use it for discharging his obligation to bring a carbon chagiga, the peace offering of the festival. Similarly, nazir ben mimoos meiser. He is a nazir, and even though he made the stipulation, he may not purchase the obligatory offerings to conclude the period of his nazirus from Meiser Sheni, it must be non-sanctified funds. The Kivon Dama Hare Alai, because he said, it is upon me, he becomes obligated and has the status of a Kenyan. And then when he subsequently said, on condition, it's too late. He already said Hare Alai. So his condition is irrelevant. He said, Behold, it is upon me. He's obligated. He continues talking and says, On condition, you say that condition is invalid. Ahu Gavra, do Amalhu, was a man that he said to them, Havule Arba Mezuzi Laploni. As she says, Ahu Gavra, this man, he was given commands because he was close to death. So he's giving out his, his uh, dealing with his estate and with his family, and he gives out a command. Give 400 zuz to so-and-so. And he should marry my daughter. Amar of Papa. So Rav Papa says, how do we interpret this? What, what is the actual status here? The guy says, so-and-so should take 400 zoos from my estate and marry my daughter. So Rav Papa says, the 400 shakil. He can take the 400, no strings attached. And the daughter, if he wants to marry her, he may. If he does not want to marry her, he does not need to. Not the, the 400 zuz that were given to him were not conditional upon the marriage. The reason is because he said, the person on, the, on his deathbed said, give him the 400, and then he said subsequently, and let him marry my daughter. If he flipped it, and he said, Linsit, the Havule, let him marry my daughter and take 400 zuz, then it would be construed as a stipulation. If he marries my daughter, he'll get 400 zuz. And if he does not marry her, he will not take the 400 zuz. Yosif Maremar, Vikamar Lahashmaitzam, Shmedinapshim. 
Rebbe said over this teaching in his own name. Ravina said to Maremar, You teach it. Sam. And she says, Just teaching it Sam without the name of Rabbi Yochanan, not saying it over in the name of Rabbi Yochanan. He's the one who taught this. Anon, we have a tradition that this dialogue is, this teaching is coming forth from the question and answer between Rishlokish and Rabbi Yochanan. Tani, Tana Kameid Rabbi Yitzchak Bar Abba. It was taught before Rabbi Yitzchak Bar Abba. Tana, taught in front of Rabbi Yitzchak Bar Abba. The verse says, Vayakriv es ha'ola, vayaseha kamishpat. And shall bring the elevation offering and process it in accordance with the law. Which law? It's referring to some mishpat. Kamishpat olus nadava. It's referring to what's stated earlier, the beginning of Vayikra, the processing of olus nadava, a free will offering, elevation offering. So here in this verse, we're describing the obligatory elevation offering, it must be brought in the same rules that pertain to something, kamishpat, and this this Braiso is teaching which mishpat, the mishpat of Olus Nadal, the laws that pertain to the elevation offering that is brought of one's own free will, not an obligation. Lovanal Olus Chova Shetunas Micha. What is the upshot? That not only is a free will offering, elevation offering, subject to the requirement for smicha, for leaning one's weight fully on the animal, and puts their hands on the head of the animal, leaning their weight fully on it, that is explicit by olas nidava, by the free will elevation offering. So too, by the olas chova, the obligatory elevation offering, there's a requirement for smicha. That is the mishpat. Amalei, the amalacha man. So Rabbi Yitzchak Barava addressed this Tana and said, "Who is the author of this teaching? Beishamay, is it not Beishamay? The logamiri shalme chova mishalme nedava." Because there is not a direct limut, a out from shalme nedava to shalme chova. Meaning, he's not just taking a straightforward derivation that we learned originally in the beginning of Aikra, that there's a requirement for smicha, for leaning on the animal before the, the shechita. We, we learn it by Nedova, by the free will elevation offering. Make that the binyan av, the paradigm that we apply to other types of elevation offerings, including the subsequent obligatory elevation offering. And we don't do that. If we're not learning a binyanav, that this is the, the first teaching as a paradigm for other similar types of offerings, rather we have to come on to a new drasha, kamishpat, 
So Rabbi Yitzchak Rabbah is suggesting that this is in accordance with Beishamah. Why? The Ibeis Hillel, because if it would include Beis Hillel, not just Beishamah, even the Gemiri Shalmechova Mishalmei Nedava, since we learn the obligation to do smicha, to lean on the animal, by an elevation offering that is obligatory from the obligation to lean on the animal when it's an elevation offering that is voluntary, then there would be no need to quote a verse by Oleschova, by the a new drasha, by Oleschova, by the elevation offering that's obligatory of Kamishba, the Gemiri Malas Nodava. Because it would just be learned straight from Olas Nadava, from the elevation offering that is a free will offering. And how do we know that Basila himself does learn Shalmechova from Shalmanadava? Dilma me gemir. Maybe. He learns from Olas Chova. Maybe Beis Hillel learns from the, the case of Olas Chova, from the elevation of obligation, the elevation offering that's obligatory. Maybe that's his source. The Olas Chova Gufa Boy And if he's learning from Olas Chova, so then Olas Chova needs a verse. So maybe that's the, the structure of Basil, and then the Brisa could be in accordance with Basil. But he's not learning from Shalmanadava, he's learning from Shalmechova, and he's he's learning straight from here. Why should he not learn from Shalmanadava? Meaning, just as we stated in the premise of the question to limit this teaching to base Shammai, that there should be a straightforward binyan av, paradigm, from Shalmei Nedova that we can extrapolate to Shalmei Chova. What would be the reason not to say that for Beis Hillel? We're suggesting that there's a fundamental difference that could disqualify the simple cut-paste application of binyan av, Shekane Mesuyim. Because they're they're different. Don't learn from Shalmanadava to Shalmechova because Shalmanadava are Mesuyim. You can bring them whenever you want. You can bring a free will offering, elevation offering, at your leisure. There's no restriction time wise. And that is in contrast to Oleschova, the elevation offerings that are obligatory have specific times that they are obligatory. They're not And from Olas Chova, we also should not be able to learn the requirement of Smicha because it's Kalil, meaning Shlomim is something that is typically eaten by the Bailim, 
Oloschova, you should not be able to extrapolate from Oloschova to Shalminadava, because Oloschova has a certain stringency. The elevation offering that's required is con completely consumed, so you cannot necessarily extrapolate from there to Shalminadava, to the free will peace offering, which is consumed by the owner in part. So you have a stringency that would restrict learning from either one. Ella Rather, you can learn from between them. Let's explain from Rashi how this works. A few Rashis to catch up on. So the carbon ola being described is from the miluim, from the inaugural offerings that were obligatory, Aaron had to bring. So there's a calf brought as a sin offering and a ram brought as an elevation offering. And the verse says, What is the mishpat being described? The, the law being referenced by the obligatory elevation offering, which is kula kala, entirely consumed. We must say that the mishpat referred to is the mishpat mentioned earlier, of Olas Nadava, the elevation offering that's a free will offering, Vivayikra Komar, mentioned at the beginning of Vayikra, Shekol Mishpate Ola Bishlamin Shom All the general laws of elevation offerings and peace offerings are described in the beginning of Vayikra. Bishlam Nadava, And the case described there is Nadava, Olas Nadava, the elevation offering that is a free will offering. When a person wants, they can bring. That's the case. It's talking about Olus Nadava. And concerning the case of the elevation offering that is a free will offering, Tara specifies there is smicha. He lays his hands on the head of the offering. And this place where it says Kamishpat by Olas Chova, Tersiv by Olas Chova, the Lamed Alea Shetunin Smicha, Kisha Mishpatin Adava. That's to teach you that just like the law mentioned explicitly by Olas Nedava, that there is Smicha, so too by Olas Chova, it requires Kamishpat of Olas Nedava, and it must also have Smicha. So Rabbi Yitzchak said to this Tana, teaching over, who is this teaching coming from? That which a reverse is required for this. And the fact that we need to come on to a drasha, kamishvat, and don't learn a straight binyanav, that one is a paradigm for other types of olos, the she ola to 
Why don't we say this? Must be Beishamai. Say that it's Beishamai. The Amrib Mas Nisin, as Beishamai says, Mevin Shlomim Shel Yom Tov, Shein Chova, that the Shlomim, that there's a Chova, a peace offering, that is obligatory on Yom Tov, the Ein Somchalein, and there's no requirement for Smicha, sort of the leaning on the offering before it's slaughtered. Time am I? What's the reasoning? Mishum the smicha b'vayikritziv. The requirement of smicha, as we said, is stated in the beginning of Ayikra, Vishal minadava, by free will peace offerings. The im zavach shlomim karbano v'samach yado. Also the im, it's not obligatory. Kasavre lo gamrina chov minadava. And the the interpretation of Beishamai is to not derive the status of how to do something. Don't make a bininav from a nidava, from a free will offering to an obligatory offering. Because you have a pircha. You have a reason to differentiate between them, negating the bininav, the paradigm, learned from one to the other. That just as a free will offering, there's no restriction. A person can bring it whenever they want. So it's a certain leniency, in a sense. Could you extrapolate from that case to an obligatory offering? That is limited. It's only when there's an obligation. So there's a stringency involved. Therefore, don't make a bininav from Nadava to Chova. And therefore, since the Shalmechova cannot be learned from Shalmechova, and Chova, the obligation to bring a Shlamim on Yom Tov, should not require Smicha, therefore, it's not going to be Docha Yom Tov. If it's not required, you can't do it on Yom Tov. Therefore, as well, an elevation offering that is obligatory, if not for the fact that the verse specifies that it must be brought like the law, if not for the verse specifically requiring that the elevation offering that is obligatory must also be done, kamishbat, like the law. Which law? Like the law referenced by the elevation offering that is voluntary. Now for that, I would have said that you do not derive one from the other, and there would be no smicha, no leaning, by olas chova, only by olas nadava. So that the drush of kamishbat seems to fit with beishama. Umimai de Perhaps there's no limud of chova from the dava, of the obligation from the free will. Maybe Beishela learns the obligatory offering from an obligatory offering. That the obligatory 
he's offering, must have smicha. How does he know that from? From olas chova, from the elevation offering that is obligatory. Elkach olas chova, boy haikra, dekamishba. Therefore, the olas chova, the elevation offering that is obligatory, requires a verse of kamishba, lios mefurishba, to be explicit that it requires smicha. Di'ilo, if it wouldn't be explicit, lo aviedinan smicha, lo ba'ola, velo b'shlamim, dechova. If not for that, I would not know that there's a need for smicha, for the leaning, neither by the olas chova, nor by the shlamim of chova. Ve'ach masnina zivre ha'kolhi. And the upshot of this is that this teaching, misnisa, is including Basil, not just Beishana. Asya mibenayo, and it will be derived from between them, literally. Says Rashi, the Ola Masnisin, the Tani, Tana Divrea Kolhi, Rafilu the Beisel, Boikra, that even according to Beisel, there's a need for the verse Kamishpat. It's not just according to Beishamai, who's not willing to make a Binyanav from Nedava to Chova. Acha the Kamelon, Smichab Ola Schova, Mahaikra, from from the point from which we require the leaning on the elevation offering that is obligatory from the verse Kamishpat, also we will derive the requirement for smicha, for leaning on the animal, from for shalme chova, for peace offerings that are obligatory, from both of them, between the two cases that we require smicha of the peace offerings that are free will offerings and olus nozava and from the elevation offerings that are required where it says kamishva mamasino what do we find bishalmenadova from the free will peace offerings shetunin smicha they do require leaning ah shalmechova so too obligatory peace offerings shehen shlomin that they are also peace offerings, they should require leaning. And that which you asked as a question, there's a problem that we should not be able to do that because the peace offerings that are free will can be brought at any time. So that's a certain leniency that would... Uh, Militate towards the conclusion that you cannot extrapolate. You can negate that differentiation from the fact that the Oloschova, the elevation offering that is obligatory, can prove that the fact that it's Metsuya or not is irrelevant for the purposes of Smicha, because Oloschova, which is an elevation offering that must be brought at a specific time, is not Metsuya, it's not. At any time, a person wants to bring it, and yet it requires smicha to smicha. So too, I should be able to include in the requirement of smicha shalmechova, the peace offerings that are obligatory and not mitzuyin. Avalpi sheina mitzuyin itano smicha. They still will require smicha. Vachi parachto, and that which you can ask mal olus nadava shegain kolil. That you should not be able to derive smicha from olus chova. Because the Ola is Kula Kalil, the elevation offering is entirely burnt up. I have a way to disarm that objection. 
from the case of Shalmechova, the peace offering that is obligatory, Shainam Kolel. You see that the Shalmechova is re requires smicha, and it is not Kula Kolel, it is not a burnt offering, the salvation offering. It, it, the the Shalmechova is required, it is not an elevation offering, but a peace offering. So you can derive that those two objections are not substantial. Those two unique points are not substantial. And so you should be able to derive between the two that there is a smicha in spite of the uniqueness of the cases of Olas Chova and Shalmanadava. The Hoa less of Shalmanadava, Ksibuhu smicha, Tsalashavish Behen, Al Korach, Titla Tam, Smichoson, Betam, Hatsalashava, Shemebene, the Olas Chova. That between Oleschova, the elevation offering that is obligatory, and the peace offering that is voluntary, derived from between them, what is the point that they both share, the common denominator? They are individual offerings, and they require the appurtenant components of the offering, and they both require smicha. Kol having that is of a yachid of an edusachim, vehu carbon yachid. So if it has the appurtenant components, it's an individual offering. Sheyitun smicha. It should also require smicha, the leaning on the animal. Vaosaluhu shalmechova neitaima. And from between these two, we can derive the obligatory peace offerings in the requirement for smicha for leaning. Back in the Gemara. And does Beishamai actually hold that the obligatory peace offerings do not require smicha? Batanya, we have a That's not a point of contention whether the Shalmei Chova requires smicha, whether the Obligatory peace offerings require leaning. That's something that both Beishamai and Beishelel agree to. What did they argue about? I'll take it smicha Concerning the requirement that immediately after doing the smicha, leaning on the animal, it should be slaughtered. Beishamai says, no problem. You can do the smicha before Yom Tov. Beishelel says, no. There is a requirement of take it the smicha shrita that right away after you do smicha, you do shrita, and therefore you cannot have a break between the leaning on the animal and the shrita, so you can't do the smicha early. So, this previous limud is going in accordance with a different tana, the tanya. That taught a different brisa. Amar Rabbi Yosi, Rabbi Yehuda, lo nechlo gleishamay v'shelal al take the smicha shchita shetzarich. They didn't argue the other way. When there's a requirement for smicha, which is not controversial, pasuk requires smicha 
under certain circumstances. And everybody agrees, according to this version, the Shaman and Beisol agree that when there's a requirement for smicha, it immediately must be followed by shrita, amanachaku, al smicha asmo. They argue concerning smicha itself. Concerning Shalmechoba, that they disagree whether there's a requirement for smicha or not. That's the other version. Rashi. Lo smicha sorry. They did not disagree, Beshame and Beshilo, about whether there's a need to lean on the obligatory peace offering. Rather, this is what Beshame would say. That the smicha can be done before the chag, and the slaughter must take place on Yom itself. And according to this version, Yishami did not require take if the smicha shrita, that immediately subsequent to the leaning of the the bala carbon, the owner, on the offering, it must be yeshachtin, slaughtered. No, he says you can make a break between them and therefore do the smicha before yomtiv. Next Rashi, Hudamakihaitano, take if the smicha shrita shitzarech, Hudabraton smicha, Tatsiv samach b'shacha. That according to the other version, the second version, the Shami Basilo don't disagree about the requirement of taketh the smicha shrita, that there must be no pause between leaning on the animal and shechting the animal. Rather, what do they argue about? Smicha itself, al smicha atzma, im unin smicha. Do the obligatory peace offerings require leaning or not? Continuing in the Gemara. It's a story. Hillel the elder, the, the founder of Beis Hillel, he brought his elevation offering to the Azara. He's getting ready to do smicha. He's going to lean on it. I don't know where Shama himself was, but the Talmidim of Beishamah were gathering around him. Looks like a tense situation. And they started interrogating Hillel Azakim. What type of animal is this? So, according to this, Hillel Azakim said, that this is a female animal and it's for the shlomim. So this is going according to the version that they agreed that there's a requirement for smicha by Shalmei Chova. So that's what Hillel Zakin is saying. Kishke Shlehem is Nova and he had its Tail wagging. Rashi explains. Let's see. Nekevahi. This is a female animal. She ain't Ola Nekeva. To prove that it's not an Ola, even though it was an Ola, it was an elevation offering. Elevation offering must be from a male animal. So, 
he says to them, it's a zivchei shlomim, mirov animas nusa shel hillel, hamishanam tnei shalom. So hillel hazakim lied over here, or if you want to say it in slightly nicer terms, in his abundant humility, Rashi says, he deviated, he changed from the truth. The truth was, it was an Ola, but he said that it was a Shlomin. It was four Shlomin that he brought it, which is obviously not possible. Because of Shalom, he wanted there to be peace. So the students of Shammai Hazokin were uh, satisfied, and Hillel Hazakim got through their interrogation, and they left. And that day, there was a strengthening of the hand of Beishamai over Beishelel. And they said, hey, we've got the upper hand over here. Let's make sure that we fix the halacha, the kovei halacha, like Beis Shammai. So they were plotting to make this a, a, a victory for themselves, that there should be no smicha by the olas nadava, And that was uh, against what Hillel Zakin wanted to do. He wanted to do smicha for his Ola. But there was one student from the students of Shammai Zakin, Baba ben Buta Shmo. And here he gets a name, Baba ben Buta. He knew that Allah was like. He knew the Allah was like Beisillah. So even though he was a student of Beishamah, and Beishamah was getting the upper hand, they were even interrogating Hillel Hazakim, and he was cowering before them, and Mishanah Neashalom. So, oh, that? Shaking the tail. That's, that's a, a Shlomim, not an Ola. Don't worry about it. So they were emboldened, and Everything was going according to plan, except one of the Talmudim of Shammai Azokin, he changed the course of history. He knew that the Lacha was like Beisillah, even though that wasn't his team, but he put the truth above politics, so above his team, as it were. And he sent to bring all of the flocks of Kedar, Me'ulim Hoyurashi says these are very excellent animals. So all these flocks he brought from Kedah that were in Yerushalayim. Ve'aminam Azar, and he brought them into the Azara. Ve'omar, and he announced, he put up the setlach, Kol mi lismoch, yismoch. Anybody wants to come and bring an olos nadava, can do smicha, come ahead, come ahead. Everybody can come and do the smicha, on the Ola, on Yom Tov. Let's see Rashi. Shuv might, uh, that's that's right there. So, so this Talmud of Shammai Azokin, 
pushed back against the other Talmidim of Shammai Zokin because he, he had the conviction that the halacha was actually like Beisil. So the tide turned after he made that announcement. So even this Talmud of Beishamai is pushing strong to support the Psak of Hillel Hazakin. So also Yom Gavra Yodan Shel Hillel. So the strength was given over to the hand of Beis Hillel, the Kabbalacha Kemosan. And the Halacha was in fact sealed like that. Nobody said a word. Nobody complained. So these Talmidim that originally were interrogating Hillel Hazakin, they were cowed by their own compatriot, Baba ben Buta, who said, no, you guys are wrong, the halacha is like Hillel Hazakin, like Beis Hillel. Tosos points out, Tap Tosos, the Tema, how could he bring all these flocks, these sheep in, these lambs, to be brought, without them yet being sanctified, can't bring Chulun into the Azara, he didn't actually bring them into the Azara before they were sanctified, but rather onto Harabais, ready to go into the Azara as soon as you had buyers willing to take them to bring Olas Nadava. Shuv Maisa B'Talmud Echad, another story, Rashi says, this is subsequent, this is a second story that happened sequentially after the first one. There was a student in the house of Beisilel. He brought his elevation offering to the Azara, so he's ready to do smicha. And one of the Tamir Beisilel found him. He saw that this Talmud of Beis is getting ready to lean on the animal. This Ola, on Yamtiv. And this Talmud of Beis says, What is this smicha? Rashi, You want to do smicha to lean on the animal and transgress the words of the house of Shammai? Hey, newsflash, we argue with you. Amarlo, Mazushtika. So this Talmud of Hillel was not as big of a, an anav as Hillel Hazakin. So his Talmud responded, Rashi, Amarlo, Mazushtika, Shayel Chalishto. You said, what am I doing leaning? I'm saying to you, where, where is your silence? You should be silent. And you're not being silent. Shasko bin Azifa. So he quieted him, bin Azifa, This is a, a growling rebuke that the Talmud of Beis Hillel responded to the Talmud of Beis Shammai. He said, basically, get lost. After the halacha was already established, that's presumably why Rashi is making a point that it wasn't just another story, but a subsequent story. After there was 
a kvias of the halacha, like Beis Hillel, without any error. So the Talmud of Beis Hillel is saying, case closed. Why are you saying that, that you guys argue? The halacha has already been fixed like Beis Hillel, and you should be quiet. So the Talmud of Beis Shammai ran away. That was the end. Amar Abaye, Abaye derives from here, Hilkach, therefore, Hai Tzuvah Merabana, we have a up-and-coming rabbinic scholar, De Amar Le Chavre Milsa, that his colleague tells him something, it's said in a benign sense, something, but clearly from the context, it means something that is uh, abrasive. Lo lahabile milsa tfe He should not respond in a way that escalates, and rather he should respond only in kind. Deiu amarle mazush smicha, because he said, going back to the story, the Talmud of Bishamai starts up and says to the Talmud of Beis Hillel, what is this smicha? What is this leaning you're looking to do? And the Talmud of Beis Hillel responded in kind, not escalating, but holding his ground, saying, where's your silence? You should be quiet. But he didn't uh, go nuclear on him. He didn't escalate. He just kept it at the same level of uh, response. It was a bit abrasive, but not more abrasive. If you look in the Chachams Manoach, he describes a practical application of this recommendation in Der Heretz, not to escalate when tense words are being exchanged. He says, in Karugana, O Mamzer, if somebody calls a person a thief or a Mamzer, Lo Yom Aviyoshevlo Atagana, O Mamzer, he describes what does it mean to, to keep it in the same tenor. He should, he should not respond and say something to the effect of, I know you are, but what am I? You're the Ganav, you're the Mamzer. Rag Yomelo, Shtok. Just say, Silence. And it's fitting for you to be quiet. Because you're lying. He shouldn't be totally silent. That would imply that he concedes. Shtika is considered hoda. So oftentimes, if he's silent in the face of such a critique, somebody says, You're Ghana. says, Oh. He doesn't know what to say back. It sounds like he admits it, that he's a Ghana. Or he says he's a Mamzer, and he doesn't respond. So there is a risk that it could be interpreted as Hudah, as agreeing to the charge. So in order to avoid that, he should respond in a way that dispels that interpretation. And he should just say, you should be quiet. That's, that is incorrect. You're, you're saying something that is falsehood. And he should not escalate in a sense to say, you're a Ghana, or you're a Mamzer, 
So the Chachmos Menoch says, in the spirit of not escalating, one should just hold their ground in the response, but not add fuel to the fire. Tanya, we have a brisa. Amr lahem beshilal beshamay. Beshilal address beshamay. Uma b'makom she'aser lahedyet moto lagava. That in a case where we find that we have a prohibition for a hedyet for an individual, yet there is permission for. Malacha to be done on the altar for Gavoa. Rashi. Mokam Shemotu Lehedyet. Yom Tov. It's permitted on Yom Tov to cook, for example, or to shecht. Tasiv hu levadu yaslachem. Kol tzad tzarchechila. You're allowed to do things that are tzarch. Eno din Shemotu Lehavoa. The Bezal continues. The Kavachomer. If. On Yom Tov, you have a heter, a cold tzad for anything, any malacha needed for eating, like we said, shechita or bishul. Ein adin shemutu legavoa, cold tzarech achilas mizbeach, vafilu olus riva. So all the more so, when you have a heter, on Yom Tov, not just on Shabbos, where you do the karbonis, even though you have no heter of tzarech achilas, not allowed to shecht or cook on Shabbos, on Yom Tov, when you are, you should be allowed to do any achilas mezveach, any consumption on the altar, even olas even the elevation offering of re'iyah, of the pilgrimage. That's the svara that Beis Hillel asks of Beis Shammai. Amr lehem, Beis Shammai, responds to Beis Hillel, and Dharma dovas it's a nice idea, but we'll prove to you that's not the case from Nidarim Unadavos. The free will offerings will prove that that's not the case. Rashi explains, So Beishama says, You yourselves will undermine this Svara because you agree to us that Nidarim Unadavos are not allowed to be brought on Yom Tov. It must be obligatory, can't bring free will offerings on Yom Tov of Nadarim and Adavos, even though a hediot, and for non-sacrificial purposes, one may shecht and cook. So we see that this svara that you're setting up, you yourselves don't hold to it. Shemot lahediot v'asal gava. You have a hetter for hediot, and still there's an iser gava of Nadarim and Adavos. Amalim b'shilel, Bishol is not done. They say, here is out, mal Davos, man. The stringency of not being allowed to bring Nadarim Unadovos, even though it's considered Achilles Mizbeach, still these vows, offerings that are brought from vows, they are not fixed for a certain time. So you could bring them anytime. Tell them about Shekabulizman. You should at least agree to us that Olasriya, the elevation offering of the pilgrimage, which is fixed to the time of the pilgrimage, that you should agree 
should be eligible to be brought on Yom Tov. Amulam Bishamai. Bishamai responds to this. Avzu ain Kavuazman. You want to say that this is Kavuazman, it's a fixed time? Not so fast. It's not fixed. Ditnan, so we have a Mishnah. Nish lo chag biyom tovrishon shel chag chogig baholech kol haregal kulo. If somebody did not bring the carbon, the chagiga, on the first day, so they are allowed to bring the entire length of the festival. Biyom tov achron shel chag amr, even though the last day of the chag. So you see that it's also not fixed. And therefore, it should be like Nadarma Nadavos, which are prohibited. Amalem Beish Hillel, Avzu Kavulazman. Beishel says, no, even though it's not a precise fixed time, it still has some time bound parameters. Titnan, as the Mishnah says, Avra Regel, Vilochal, once the whole festival has passed and the Chagi was, was not brought, Enochai Bachriuso. He does not need to bring another offering in its stead. So there is an expiration point. So it's called a fixed time, even if it's not that day. But there is an expiration. So it should not be like other Nadarim Unadavos that do not have any fixed time, other than the problem of Balta Acher. But the Korban itself intrinsically has no fixed time. You just can't go past three regalim after you Nadar Nadavos. So Amr Lahem Beis Shammai, Beis Shammai responds to this suggestion that it has some degree of fixed time, and therefore should be eligible to be brought on Yom Tov. We have a verse. A verse says, for you and not for the altar. You are allowed to do malacha for food preparation. For you, but not for the altar. Amr Lahem Beis Hillel says, what about the other verse? Lashem, kol de Lashem. Verse says, v'chagosim also chag Lashem. Anything that's included for Lashem, for God. Imkein matom lachem. So if so, Bishilal also has this verse lachem for you. So what do they do with that verse? Lachem v'lo lekusim. Lachem v'lo leklaver. So they say it's not to exclude. Like Beishamai says, Beishelo says it's to exclude cooking or shechting and for the purpose of non-Jews or for one's animals. The heter is lochem. It is for you, for the Jewish people, that there is a heter. Not to the exclusion of gavoa, according to Beishelo, but to the exclusion of kusim and kolovim. So Tosos points out that Beishelo does have this drasha. Beishelo nami darshi lochem they just use it to exclude Nadar Menadavos. As we mentioned prior, they concede to Beis Shammai. Nadar Menadavos may not be brought. So when they said, Kol Hashem, they don't mean Kol Kol. It doesn't mean anything for Gavoa, but it means something that has what they consider at least a degree of time-bounded requirement, as, as opposed to Nadar Menadavos, which... Theoretically, it could be brought at any time. So don't do that on Yom Tov. Abishol Omra Beloshan Acheres. Abishol had a different version. Oma Bemokum Shekiros Chostumo Kiros Rabchopsucho. So similar to what we said before, just in a more 
metaphoric way. And that which we have in a place that your oven, you have two, two places to put your pots. So a kira is smaller than a tano. So if your kira is open and working, so all the more so that the kira of your master, meaning not just your kira, your stove, for your own needs on Yom Tov, but should not the altar, which has the cooking, as it were, of your master, be open and working. And also, it's appropriate. It shouldn't be that your table is filled and the table of your master is empty. What is the debate between these two versions? Between Abba Shaul's version and the first version we had? So, according to Abishol, there is no restriction of Nadarim and Nadavos. They may be brought on Yamtov. Umar with the Tanakamo, the first version, has Beis Hillel agreeing to Beis Shammai and Kraven Yamtov, that Nadarim and Nadavos, the free will offerings that have no fixed time, may not be brought on Yamtov. Amar of Huna. The Divya Omen and Dharmadavas ain't craven Biyamtov. Ravuna says, according to the opinion, the version, the first version we have, that it's not controversial between Beishami and Hillel, and that the free will offerings may not be brought on Yamtov. Don't say that biblically they may be brought and they are fitting to be brought. And there's a rabbinic decree restricting the bringing of Nedarim and Adavos on Yom Tov because they're concerned lest you tarry and you have a Nedar or an Adavah that you need to bring and you say, why should I bring it now? Why don't I just wait till the Regal? I, anyway, I'm going for Alila Regal so I'll wait then. So they're worried if you wait so who knows what's going to happen? A person should not be slothful in fulfilling their obligations they took upon themselves. Somebody took a nether, be quick to fulfill it. And don't say, oh, I'm going anyway to the regal, I'll do it then. So the Rabbanon, we could have thought that the Rabbanon came in and said, you can't bring the Dharma to Davos to avoid this potential fallout. And Rashi explains, Shema Yishoya Kobinosov Ad Hamoid Shehelo Basar Matsui Beregal that he's going to gain, not just he's going to avoid an extra trip, but he's going to gain by having more meat for the festival. Who knows what's going to happen? He could do it now. If he waits and pushes it off to the festival, maybe something's going to come up. He won't be able to bring it. And then he's going to be in violation of the fulfillment of his vow. So don't say that. Don't say that it's a rabbinic decree but biblically, Nedarim and Adavos can be brought on Yom Tov. What's the Raya? Even biblically, Nedarim and Adavos may not be brought on Yom Tov. Again, according to the first version. Not according to Abishol. What's the proof? The two loaves brought, the Shteya are an obligation to bring on Shavuos. It's an obligation of the day. 
and there's no concern of delay. There's, there's no possibility to bring it earlier. So there's no reason for a rabbinic enactment concerning the Shteyalechem. And nonetheless, Shteyalechem is not Docha Shabbos and Yom Tov. Rashi, Datzeres of Shavuos, their obligation of the day. They cannot be brought earlier. The Ligzabahu, that they should be eligible for a decree, Shema Yishaya. Maybe somebody will take their time and not bring them within the right time frame. Since it is possible to bake them before the onset of Shavuos, since they may be baked in advance before the onset of the Chag or Shabbos, so they are not Doche, and the Shtei must be baked beforehand. This is in contrast with a Chagiga that you can't shecht it before Yom Tov. It must be shechted on the day of the Chag. By the Shechita of the Chagiga, there's no way to do the Malacha before or after. But by so you could do the Afiyah, the baking, prior to the onset of Atzeres, of Shavuos, and therefore you must. You have no Heter to bake them on Shavuos. So we see from here that it is a biblical consideration. It's not rabbinic. Shem Yishah. Iboy has a question. According to the opinion that free will offerings cannot be brought on Yom Tov, Right, like the first version, not like Abishal. If somebody did transgress, violate the prohibition, and he did shecht a carbon of Nedarim and Nedavos on Yom Tov, what is the halacha? Rava says the zrika, the sprinkling of the blood, should be performed in order to permit the flesh of this offering to be consumed. It'll be eligible to be eaten. Not supposed to. But once it was done, so the shlomim will be eligible for achila if the zrika takes place. Rabba Baravuna Amar Emurin Rabba, the son of Ravuna, says a different rationale. He says also the halacha is the the blood should be sprinkled, even though these nedavos should not have been shechted on Yom Tov once it happened do the zrika, the reason, he says, is different. With the intent to bring up the emurin, the sacrificial parts that go on the altar, bring them up in the evening. So they cannot be brought on Yom Tov, but after Yom Tov goes out, bring them up. My benayu, what is between them? What is the machlokis between them? Between Rava Baravuna and Rava, what's the machlokis? There's going to be enough kamina between them in a case where the flesh became impure. So you have a sacrifice, nadarim and adavos, free will offerings. They should not have been shechted. And they were shechted on Yom Tov. So if the flesh became impure, and anyway, it's not going to be eligible for consumption, once it's tame, so it cannot be eaten, 
So, or if it was lost, something happened, don't know where it went, Rava Lozark. According to Rava, the reason to do Zrika is to consume the flesh. It's not possible because it became impure or is lost, so don't do the Zrika. Rabba Baravhuna Zarik. According to Rabba, the son of Huna, yes, do the Zrika. Neisve. Kisve Atzeres Sheshachton Shalolishman. The lambs that are meant to be designated for Shavuos that were slaughtered, Shalolishman, not for their proper intent. Oh, Sheshachton Ben Lechnezman and Ben Achazman. Or they were slaughtered either before the right time or after the right time. Hadam Yisrak. The blood should be sprinkled. Vabosar. And the meat should be consumed. V'im ha'isa Shabbos, if this took place on Shabbos, lo yizrak, do not sprinkle the blood. V'im zorak, hurza. And if the zrika did take place, the blood was sprinkled, then it is hurza. Amnas lahaktir emur in the Erev. You have the ritsui that the Sacrificial parts can be brought on the altar in the evening, subsequent to, in this case, Shabbos and Yom Tov. Im Zorak, di Eved in So we're being medayik from this teaching. If it was sprinkled, the blood was sprinkled, but not that one should sprinkle the blood. This indicates that it's not enough of a reason to be maktir, the emurin, la'erev, to do the zrika, to sprinkle the blood. It's only if it was done. But we won't say to do it. This goes well according to Rava. Rava says, you have to be able to eat the meat. So that's why, in this case, he would say, don't do the zrika. But according to Rava Bar of Huna, who says that in such a case where the shechita took place in a way that it shouldn't have, do the zrika lichachila now in this circumstance in order to be makta de mur erev to bring the sacrificial parts on the altar by the evening. Why over here doesn't he say that you should do the zrika lichachila? Do the zrika because you can be makta de murin by the evening. Kasha. This is a kasha against Rabbah Barafuna. Levi Sema, an alternate way through, is that it is not a kasha against Rabbi Baravuna. Shani shvus Shabbos mishvus Yom Tov. Perhaps Rabbi Baravuna can differentiate and say that there's a greater stringency on Shabbos where he will say, concede, that the ability to be to bring up the sacrificial parts by the evening is a reason to do the sprinkling of the blood on Yom Tov, when it was slaughtered Shilokadin in an appropriate way. But it's not a reason to do the same on Shabbos. Shabbos is more stringent than Yom Tov. The Shavuos of Shabbos is more Chomor than the Shavuos of Yom Tov. And therefore, on Shabbos, even though you could do Zrika to be Maktar Erev, don't do that Lechachila. However, if it was done on Shabbos, that the Zrika's dam took place, the sprinkling of the blood happened on Shabbos, which is a Shavuos, so Shavuos of Shabbos is more chomer. Don't do it. But if it happened, so you may then be maktir the emurin la erev. Let's see Rashi. Hurtz omenas la haktir kiloman. The haktir emurin la erev. 
So bring them up, bring the sacrificial parts up in the evening. Do not do it on Shabbos itself. The diak is that you should not do the Zrika Sadam to be able to do so, which seems to be in conflict with Rabbi Barvuna. The reason why you shouldn't do it at face value seems to support the contention of Rava that since the flesh will not be consumed, so don't do the Zrika. Shani Shvashabs. The more second answer, it says it's not a kasha against Rabbi Baravuna. Even though there is a restriction, an Isra of Zrikas Hadam, both on Shabbos and Yom Tov, they were more stringent on Shabbos than Yom Tov. So therefore, on Shabbos, don't do it, and on Yom Tov, do the Zrikas Hadam.